Hey, it's John Richards, a cut above horror review. And this week it's episode number 14. We're talking about, well, I guess what some people would consider to be a classic, the Blair Witch Project from 1999. We are in Halloween season. So make sure you give this episode a listen. Find out if it lives up to the classic name. It's a cut above horror review. Episode 14, the Blair Witch Project, 1999. It will start it now. And I hope there are no snot bubbles. Cut my life into pieces. Good evening and welcome to A Cut Above Horror Review, a podcast where we review all things horror. I'm your host, Jacqueline, and tonight we will be discussing the film The Blair Witch Project from 1999. But first, let's meet everybody else on the show. First up, Hyderberg. Happy October, man. Hey, spooky season's begun. What's going on, guys? It is here, finally. The, this is just when the rest of the world catches up to us. I know, we just <laughs> we celebrate spoopies all year, but... <laughs> yeah, that's us. And next we have John. How's it going, John? It's going really, really well. Thank you guys so much. Uh, it's been very hot here in Southern California. So I am not feeling fall right now because we've been in the 90s for the past three days. So it's been incredibly yeah. insane. And uh, Jacqueline, how you doing? It looks like you're back in Florida. Yeah, speaking of being way too hot, I am back in Florida. It does not feel like like October here. I went to the beach today and went Whoa. swimming in the Atlantic Ocean, so it's not it's not feeling October-y, but <laughs> here we are. So. I woke up at 6 a.m. for work, and it was dark out, and I was like, all right, fall is here. Oh, that's only like three weeks away, like daylight savings yeah. time ends, right? Oh, yeah. my God. Days are going to be getting real short. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but you got to think about it, Jack Jacqueline. We're, we're in very um, temp or very um, fair-weathered uh, parts of the country, you know, and, and Hyderabad's got to deal with snow. And yeah, we have seasons falling. here. I literally almost went, because there's a, there's a house right across the street from me that, that has a seasonal tree that's shedding. And I was going to put, hey, falls arrived in San Diego and then like turn my camera because there's a palm tree right there. And I'm like, oh, wait, Shut. never mind. Yeah. <laughs> and you and I have similar, I think, climate experiences, uh, maybe with the exception of some added humidity on my part. But uh, but similar, non, non-season having climates. And I'll tell you, Hyderberg, I'm a little bit jealous. I wish I could have a New York autumn, but I do not want a New York winter. So no. I guess that's the trade-off. They so. vary. Sometimes we get really bad ones and sometimes they're mild. Luckily, yeah. I, I bought a Jeep last year, so I've got four-wheel drive now. Yeah. You still yeah. tricking that thing out? When you first got it, you had all kinds of accessories every week. I never put those accessories on yet. They're sitting on my dining room. <laughs> table. It's been over a year, man. I know. I just... <laughs> It just was not a priority. I got so excited when I got the Jeep. I bought all these things for it, and I just haven't had a chance to put them on. Oh, well, I gotcha. Well, I'm, for the I'm next month, in. yeah. Well, for the next month, uh, we're going to be choosing films to review that all give us those Halloween vibes. So tonight's film is The Blair Witch Project. But Why first, in the world did you pick this movie? This was my pick, and I picked this. I'm not going to spoil my review, but I picked this movie because it really, really, really is like one of my all time top, um, like October Halloween season feeling movies. 
So that's sure. that's the main reason I picked it. Makes sense. So yeah. But before we get into it, John, do you have some news for us in the world I of do. horror? <clears throat> I do. I, I and make sure you go check out online because October has come upon us, but check out all the streaming services online. There are so many brand new horror movies out there. Um, there were too many to name off, but like Shudder, Amazon Prime, Tubi, Hulu, uh, just every streaming service has brand new movies out there that, and they all look fantastic. So I'm excited about that. They finally dropped the final trailer of Halloween Kills, which is coming out October 15th. Uh, I was a little disappointed by this one, if you guys haven't seen it. Um, I haven't I, okay. For me, it, I was excited because, you know, Halloween... 2018 was actually a pretty cool movie. I wasn't hugely high on it, but to me, that this final uh, trailer, there was so much going on. It felt very cluttered. Um, you know, there's a mob mentality in this that yeah. they show. Um, I love the fact that Jamie Lee Curtis is excited about this movie, but it, it just felt... I, I'm still optimistic about watching it, but it just felt... Very, there, there's so much going on. Um, yeah. She showed up to like the premiere. I saw a picture with like a t-shirt launcher, like as a surprise. Oh. And she was like, she looked all badass with it in her hand. Right. She was like launching t-shirts for fans and stuff. I love that woman. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's all I got. There was nothing really else, nothing else really going on. Okay. Well, I'll be sure to check out that trailer as soon as we uh, you should. finish you up should. here. So I want to see that. I'd only seen the, the teaser. Yeah. Is it because the other trailers, the reason I didn't watch is they've, they spoil a lot. Like they, they show a lot of the kills, and that's mainly one of the reasons you're watching a Halloween film is to yeah. see the kills yeah. flashing. Well, cool. well, and not not really spoiling it. Uh, Kyle yeah. Richards, who plays Lindsay, uh, yeah. she's in it at the very beginning, and there's two kids swinging on the swing, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, hey, we're just out here swinging on the swing, and hey, there's a guy in a white mask over there, and she goes, run, and you're uh, like, oh Wait, I'm definitely gonna check it out. Yeah, I, I guess in context, maybe it'll make more sense to watch the movie, but it just, it started out very, uh, yeah, very bloated. And then you see this mob mentality. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they had pitchforks and torches, like going after Michael Myers. So, yeah. Oh, boy. Well, we'll have to see. Uh, so, yeah, you know what? After we record tonight, I'll find that trailer and post it up on our Twitter so everybody can see. Let's do it. Great. All right. Is that it for the news? I think so. All right, well then, let's get into the movie. Before we drop that spoiler warning, let's hit our fucks or sucks segment. Uh, Hyderberg, why don't you start us off and tell us whether you think this movie fucks or sucks? I think the Blair Witch Project, I think this movie, uh, this movie fucks. Um, I said, I think it fucks on creative merit alone. It, it may have not started the found footage subgenre, but it most certainly like defined it. And for that, it fucks. <laughs> Agreed, Johnny. How do you feel? Oh man, uh, this movie absolutely like fucks hard. <laughs> it, it, it's uh, there's been found footage movies in the past, uh, i.e., Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah, but this did something with a shoestring budget that was just unbelievably creative and whether you liked it or not that's fine but you gotta give it all the credit in the world for yeah. being innovative for, for create creating a subgenre of found footage um so this is like this is your 
you know, this is your foundation of found footage. So this movie absolutely fucks hard. <laughs> what a show. Why do I feel strangely turned on? Uh, I probably I because it does. I don't know. All right, Jacqueline, how do you feel about the Blair Witch Project? Does it fuck or suck? I think that the Blair Witch Project fucks so much <laughs> that it's basically a prostitute. It is just, it fucks so much. Um, and I agree that it is super creative. I think that it is, yes. Uh, Zombievers? This is getting out of hand. I know. Uh, (laughs) uh, Like you said, the creativity involved, it's definitely, as you said, not the first, but probably the most seminal found footage film that paved the way for a lot of other stuff and basically like created the subgenre as we know it. And on top of that, I also think that it is, an amazing achievement in marketing that happened at exactly the right moment that it needed to happen. And I'll talk more about that later, especially when we get into trivia, but um, it was just like a perfect storm of creativity, um, like amazing, what's the word I need? Like, I don't know, just amazing economy with budget and doing a Mm -hmm. lot with very little and and the, the marketing aspect of it. So I say this movie fucks. (laughs) <laughs> well, before we get to the uh, Heidelberg Reach Around plot, I'm going to throw out the spoiler alert. We're going to be talking about the Blair Rich Project from 1999. Uh, if you have not seen this movie, which is a And where the hell story. have you been? Exactly right. So if you have not seen this movie, make sure you pause the podcast, go watch it, and then come back to the podcast to find out what we thought about it. Yo. Uh, so before, as before we get into like the actual reviews, I kind of want to ask you guys about your personal experience with this movie for the first time. Like how old were you? Where did you see it? What was your feeling about it at, you know, at first viewing? I was 23 years old. Uh, I just moved to Michigan, first got into radio. So this is like 2000, later in 2000. I, I bought my first DVD, bought my first DVD player and, you know, watched this movie and actually just loved it. <laughs> it, it scared me because I, I've been a horror movie fan my entire life. And I just thought what this was, I, I, I guess the biggest one, well, I'll wait till later. So, so I, I loved it. I, I bought my, that was my very first DVD I ever bought. So nice. wow, yeah. that's so cool. You yep. still have it? I don't know. I'll have to look at my. If it's archives. out of print, maybe it's worth money. Who knows? Maybe Bob will buy it or something. No, Bob I'm not. Would probably I'm not, spend a pretty penny. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not selling it. I mean, like, for if I still have it, I'm yeah, not selling it. Thing. Yeah. That's so cool that that was literally your first DVD. Very first yeah. coincidence. I, um, I, I rented even... it because I was working at Blockbuster, and I'm like, I love this movie, so I bought it for like 15 bucks or something like that. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Uh, Hyderberg, what was your first experience with the Blair Witch Project like? Um, I remember one night watching TV and I was on the sci-fi channel and I ended up watching the documentary, The Curse of the Blair Witch, which was perfect order to before the movie because that was made specifically to make you think that this was a real film. Like this Mm -hmm. was real footage that was found and put together, pieced together to show what happened to these three, you know, film, uh, students or whatever and um Mm -hmm. it was a really cool 
uh, documentary. Like it showed, the, the, you know, family members of these people and old college professors and old photos of them. And it just seemed realistic. Mm-hmm. The, the, in, the internet was in like in its infancy. So there was no like great way to Google that and fact check everything. So it was like, it seemed believable. The marketing, like you said, just like they struck when the iron was hot, like it was a perfect timing. And then I saw the movie, I think like John, I think I rented it because I had heard, you know, oh, it's scary, it's scary. I didn't find it as scary as people hyped, but I did see the, like it was a really good film and I thought it was just, I hadn't seen anything like it. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely stuck with me over time. Yeah. It's one, it, it is one that sticks, I think. What about Jack, Jacqueline? What was your first experience with this movie? I, well, I have to say I'm a little surprised that I am the only one of the three of us who saw this movie in the theater. Yeah. I was 16. I was a junior in high school. And shout out to my good friend from high school, Richard St. Clair, <laughs> um, a good old, old friend. And he picked me up in his Mustang nice. and took me to the West Oaks Mall to watch the Blair Witch Project and kind of as you were mentioning Hyderberg I'd seen a lot of the marketing for this movie I'm sure that I caught part of that documentary here or there I don't remember exactly but I know exactly which which documentary you're talking about with all the you know fake interviews and stuff but it looks super real and there had just been a lot of buzz around it and so you know I was 16 and I wasn't you know I was a little bit gullible I guess and I wasn't sure I was like is this is this real or is this not real? Just going into it, I already had questions in my mind. And I remember seeing it in the theater and I I just felt dread all the way through. And then in the final scene, I, I felt like kind of an unspecified terror. Like I didn't know exactly what I was seeing and I wasn't sure about what I had seen when it was over. And But still I was like, oh, something, something bad happened. And I didn't, I didn't necessarily believe that it was real, but I wasn't sure that it wasn't real. And for that reason, it, it really stayed on my mind. And then, you know, I got a little older and I was like, oh, this is fake. Yeah. But at the time, it, it left a question in my mind and that made it scarier, um, the fact that I wasn't sure. Uh, so that was, that was my first experience with the Blair Witch. And of course, I've seen it many times since then, but that was the first time. I feel like it's one of those things everybody remembers the first time they saw it. Yeah. And for me, it's, and I forgot to mention this is that I didn't have to take any notes for this movie because I've Mm -hmm. seen it so many times and it's just, you know, the discussion that we're going to have about it, I think is going to flow very, very well, just because I think we all have an affinity for it Mm -hmm. or, 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 or some sort of nostalgia for this movie and understanding what it did for the subgenre of, of found footage. For sure. Yeah. Um, I'm pleasantly surprised to hear that both of you guys love it as much as I do, because I feel like throughout the past 22 years, I hear pretty split opinions on this movie. A lot of people really love it, but a lot of people hate it. And they're like, that movie is stupid and it made me sick and I hate the bad camera work and blah, blah, blah. And I don't get that at all. I don't understand it, but I hear it so much. But 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 I agree with that. I I, I get why you love it or why you hate it. I don't think there's any mid- middle ground for this. Um, I understand why you wouldn't enjoy this movie. You know, maybe it made you sick or you didn't see yeah. any gore or you didn't see any of this. But it, it's 
there's no denying of what this movie did for horror movie history, you know, and I'll stand by that hundred percent. I, I, I will stand on the soapbox and say, listen, this movie just reinvented horror. Mm-hmm. And it, it's been done before. Like I talked about with cannibal Holocaust, which was kind of a documentary style, but yes. I found footage. All it's started like solidified in, that subgenre. Yeah, exactly right. So back in 1999, yeah. You know, what these two directors were able to do was create this subgenre that became a huge, not just Blair Witch, but just it it franchised a lot of other movies, VHS, um, uh, Paranormal Activity, things like that. Wreck. Yeah. Wreck. Exactly right. Um, Cloverfield. Yes. There you go. Also, viral marketing was not like that huge of a thing at that time. Right. And this and, film used some of that. Uh, but I think mm-hmm. that niche, I think that niche was, was That's very, sm- it, it was very small because this is at the advent of, of the, the internet. And, you know, yeah. once, once the internet blew up, it just became something yeah. else. But, but again, they're coming out with a new VHS. They're coming out with a reboot, I guess, of, of paranormal activities. What? Really? Well, yeah. There's like 20 of them. Why do I need a reboot? <laughs> I know exactly. <laughs> oh right. my god. Okay. Hmm. Uh, yeah. It, it was it was really a, a kind of a flash in the pan almost. I think at the time. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. I I guess I can understand why people wouldn't like it. But I, you know, I wonder if some of that is because in the late 90s, the late 90s are not known for having tons of amazing horror movies. Wasn't like a, a ripe period of time for horror movies. But the ones that were coming out then were like big budget, very slick looking, generally poorly acted, um, you know, like, I don't know, just kind of teen fair. Yeah, like a typecasted shiny. Yes, yes. And so this was really the antithesis of all that. So I can see why at the time, if you were expecting something more in line with the other stuff that was coming coming out around then, then I could see how this would be a shock. and, and also, you know, people are complaining that they don't like the camera work and it makes them sick. To be fair, you know, people like us, we've seen so much, of, so much of that over the years that, you know, we're used to it. But at the time, as we said, that was really the first time that that had reached mass audiences. I mean, I'm sure that the majority of the American movie going public is not familiar with Cannibal Holocaust. So That's <laughs> true. So that fucking I, movie took me four times to get through because it was so brutal. I'm sorry. Not an easy one. <laughs> not an easy First one. First time I saw that was with the Joe Bob when we watched it together. Did you watch no it all the way through? Yeah, but I, remember, I didn't. Like, I, I couldn't, man. I mean, it was just so rough to watch. It, it is a rough watch, but I, I actually, I do like that movie. I think that there's, there's some rough spots in it, but it's actually, I think, a good story, and interesting commentary on some things but that's not what we're covering this week so all right there we go should, should we do the hydroberg reach around plot and then we'll oh, jump yeah. on to it i forgot sorry yeah you hydroberg. were talking about being turned on before so i figured why not give reach us reach around time. buddy we need all it right. <laughs> at first glance it's a normal town where nothing strange ever goes down till a group of filmmakers come to make a doc about a curse of a witch which seems like a crop believe it or not it doesn't matter, because on your third night, you'll hear the pitter-patter of children's feet outside your tent. We have to get back this camera was lent. With stone formations and figures of sticks, by the time you see those, you're in for some shit. Escape these woods at any cost. The map's in the creek, and fuck it, we're lost. You're being hunted by the Blair Witch. 
So keep heading east as a last ditch. It's too late because now you're in trouble. Tears stream down your face. Your nose starts to bubble. Bloody handprints fill this house. Now stare at the wall and face to the south. All three of them dead with screams heard from her mouth. Oh, beautifully oh done. Well done. Heidelberg, well that was that was poetic, but also it gave me the chills. It yeah. gave me the chills. Yeah. As a reach around should. <laughs> quivering. It'll, it's supposed to turn you on, but you know. <laughs> Heidelberg knows how to get it done. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Oh my God. Yeah, the 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 uh, nose bowl thing. Oh my God. I love scary as, movies. As much it, as like, it was, that up even more. As much as it was spoofed. Is yeah. probably one of the most powerful scenes in the movie. I don't know if you guys agree with me, but this movie really holds up well. Um, I, the, the, the character of Josh to me was a, a little too much of a caricature of a person. Hey, man. All right, man. All right. Yeah, but it was you the know, 90s. I, I, I agree. But Everybody like, had a guy like that in that group. I, I That's fine. You know, the stoner, you know, the token stoner guy or whatever um you know <laughs> he was token he was token he was token um no but i i thought the characters are great because these are completely unknown actors using their real names yeah yeah that's um, what, when i did know, the cast when i ran down the cast i was like wait there's no extra names it's just them no yeah yeah it added to the authenticity of the movie yeah because if you look them up, you're going to, like, those are their names. Uh-huh. You're not going to find an actor's name. Went, it it adds to the uncertainty. Yeah, Yeah. by the way, I, I don't know if you have this in your trivia there, Jacqueline, but uh, Heather Donahue actually lives in Oregon now, and she has a pot farm. Oh, yeah. Wow. Is that yeah, part of your trivia? It is in my trivia, but it's not part sure. of my trivia game, so you didn't spoil any questions. Oh, sure. I feel like we should get some of her pot. Well, her I'm just pot. south of her, so I'll drive up there and say, hey, Heather, we loved your movie, by the way. Yeah. Hook us up. I'm just kidding. I will be honest. Her character to me is one of the most annoying in the movie. Why? It's like, I don't know. I, like you get some redemption with her. Cause like the scene with the bubbles or the crying, like she admits all the faults that she'd made throughout the adventure. Right. But in the beginning, like she's just so arrogant and it's like, that's why they got lost. And she just would like, would not stop recording. And I could see why the guys start getting really fed up with her at the same time. Like they, you know, they care about her. So she's a nice person, but as a viewer, I remember being like a little fed up. Like, would you just like help these guys find your way out? Like. I'll argue that, that maybe this is our first, like the strongest, one of the strongest female leads in, in a movie. And and we're talking about the nineties. I think she's one of the strongest female leads that we've seen in a long, long time because Okay, maybe she's wrong about this, but the thing is, you don't know because the map's lost. Yeah, she she goes, listen, guys, oh, yeah. and, and she'll keep saying, you know, another two hours, another ninety minutes, whatever it is, and and you may be lost in the woods, but that's no fault of hers. Well, she admits later that she sort of forced that. She well, really didn't know where she was going, and she kind of played off. No, she doesn't quite say that. She doesn't quite say that she didn't know where she was going. Because the fact of the matter is, they were questioning her almost the entire way. Yeah. And I'm sorry, Hydraberg, and I, I got to disagree with you. I, th- I, I think she's really a strong and driven character. And she has to be to get this film made. I'm sure that, like, oh, any, that. I'm sure that any person making a, a film of any sort has to be a hard ass about things and insist that things are going to go their way. And the fact of the matter is that before they even get to Coffin Rock, 
And before they get to that cemetery with the rock piles as like, you know, grave markers or whatever, they have already questioned her and thought that they were lost, but they did get there. Yeah. And, and then so, part of that might be the, the forest itself just tricking them. So, yeah. And so I, I don't necessarily, I'm not saying she didn't make any mistakes, but I'm not necessarily convinced that she in fact got them lost. I mean, they yeah. walked south for 15 hours and ended up in the same place. Yeah. And I think that there's something really fucked up going on that's happening to them. So I, I'm not I condemning don't, her. Well, I, I just think that at some point she should have kind of dropped, like you said, like she was trying to get the film made. And at some point I feel like your survival is more important now. And if you well, had a camera in my face that entire time, I probably would have bugged out like Mike too. I get that. But I think that's a problem that you have with any found footage movie where you have yeah. to have a reason for no, filming right. it or otherwise there's One no film. And so, yeah, no, I get that. And like some of those made up reasons in found footage movies are better than others and more believable than yeah. others. Um, so, you know, that, this is, I'm not, that's, that's a question. I'm not digging but, her either because she's female. If it was Mike doing the same thing, I would have just, it's just the character trait of like how she was acting. Understood. Yeah. I, I think that they I just want, disagree. I, I, I feel, I feel, and maybe this won't convince you the other way, Heidelberg, but I feel that she did that. You know, it was a very, I almost thought it was a very brilliant move on the director's part of explaining that away that she, yeah. cause she, she brings up the point of like, look, I just want to document this. I just want to document our argument here. Just, you know, just yeah. so you know, because I know what's going on and maybe she didn't, but I, I also feel that the way the movie flowed was they were lost. It was this, this lure of the Blair witch that was confusing them of like, make them go in circles, Yeah, you know? And then when Mike, and, and we spoiled it already, when Mike kicks it or, or he admits oh, yeah, that's and, and, and he's very manic about, oh, <laughs> you know, I'm just laughing. I, I kicked that thing in the fucking creek, like miles back. And then Josh and her are both losing their minds. Like, why'd you do that? Yeah. And that, that's when shit hits the fan with this movie, you know, you know, and this yeah. is like the, your quintessential slow burn of a movie that it's just like, they're lost. They're losing their mind. They're getting hungry. They're, confused they're scared and it was just and Jacqueline you brought it up at the very beginning of when you first started talking about it is you know this sense of dread you feel the cold you feel dread you feel lost with these people and that's what yeah. makes this movie so good the herky-jerky uh uh camera movements I could totally forgive because they're holding this stuff yeah exactly it's found footage yeah. it's Ready. not supposed to look slick no, this is not supposed to be a polished movie. Did you see it, the movie that came out a year later called Blair Witch Book of Shadows, which was the shittiest movie I've ever seen in yeah. my life? I didn't actually. That movie seen has it. A, I'm going to watch has, it. I'm going to watch it too. And that, that movie has a weird small following with people who are really devoted to it. It's I haven't a cult, seen it, so I don't know why, but I want to watch it just to see they're, what they're... They're calling it a cult classic. You know, I, I, would, I would dare to say... And I don't think anybody that's listening to this podcast would say that Blair Witch is not a classic. You know, it's not a cult classic. It made so much money. Why, why are people so oh, yeah. interested in it? You know, it, to me, this is like <laughs> I said it before. This is your this is your 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 um, what's the word I'm looking for? The start of found footage subgenre. Like I like ju just like other subgenres. Like I remember the first time I saw the movie Saw in two thousand four, 
which yeah. kicked off like the whole torture porn subgenre that went on for a few years. And mm-hmm. I remember, I mean, I remember being flabbergasted. Yeah, I'm fine. Hostile. I remember sitting in a theater both times, flabbergasted because I'd never seen anything like that before. And so movies like that, that are like the first time that you see something that's totally different from what you're used to seeing, that's a very memorable experience. And it really holds a place in my heart. You know, yeah. that, and that, that, that's a wonderful point because you know, torture porn was like this, this niche thing where, where, you know, for, for, you know, a decade, it was just remade, remade, revamped, whatever. Found footage movies are constantly coming out, you know, Japan, Korea and stuff like that. Found footage is constantly kind of evolving into something else. And I think it's going to stick around just like a slasher movie is going to stick around. Oh, absolutely. It's here to stay. Yeah. And some people are sick of it. Yeah. And I think there may be ebb and flow in the years to come. Like, I think zombies have sort of outplayed or outstayed their welcome for a while. I mean, we've just been hit with so many of them for the past 15 years, but, um, but they will always, they will always rise again. (laughs) Well, the only reason, the only reason why I disagree with that is because it's gone on to network television, AMC with the walking dead, you know? So, so with that subgenre of zombies, it constantly evolves and they're trying to create more of a story behind it. But the thing about found footage is that you can do so much with it. And I'm going to give you a perfect example of like what uh, they, they did a uh, report a year ago of what the scariest movie of all time was. And it, 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 no, it wasn't because like a year ago, it was sinister because of your heart rate of, of everything that's going through your body. Yeah. This past year, the scariest movie, according to Heart Rate and all that stuff, was Host. Shutter Exclusive. Oh, yeah, okay. okay. That's a found footage movie via That's, Zoom. That movie's yeah. very Blair Witch-esque, too, because they did that on a shoestring budget. Absolutely. Also. They did it over the pandemic, over Zoom. 20 years ago, <laughs> this movie was yeah. made, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so, you're right. That's like a similar level of innovation, like using the, the tools that are common and available to you at that time and just... And then, and just having a creative story behind it and using the tools that you have to make it. And that's, that's I really point, admire Jared. that. Yeah. So, so to me, I mean, and again, it was a report that was okay. According to 2021, the scariest movie of all time, according to heart rate, that's going to get your blood pumping and make you jump scare is host. And have you guys seen it? Yes. I haven't. Oh, oh watch Jacqueline. It. Yeah. You should cover it. Oh my God. It's very yeah, short too. What is it like an hour long? Nope. 56 minutes of, of what as, it's, it's a zoom call. A yeah, it's the same amount of time as a zoom call. It's, a, it's cool. It's innovative. Oh my God. Hydroberg, what's that behind you? I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so like, yeah, maybe I disagree with some of Heather's um, uh, actions, but like she is like, she's not a bad person or anything. And like the friendship between the characters is played out really well in this film. Uh, and there's mm-hmm. so many, like you said, it, it goes up and down so much. They fight, they almost fist fight, but then they, they forgive each other. They make up, they have jokes later about like, oh, I wish I could have a cheeseburger. Like, uh, you know, uh, Mike finds the cigarettes after Josh is already missing and they're like unraveling and they have a cigarette together. Like, so that you do see the friendship and it's really cool to see that. And it makes it more believable. I do. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. I see, I see the, the incident where Mike kicks the map into the, or admits to kicking the map yeah. into the river. I see that as a major turning point in the character dynamics 
Um, up until that point, I feel like you guys might may agree or disagree, but I feel like Heather and Mike had really been at odds with each other. And Josh was really kind of the peacemaker. Like mm-hmm. he was the mutual friend between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Heather and Mike didn't know each other. And, you know, she flips out on Mike. Um, and then, so there's like this animosity between Heather and Mike or like distrust. Like he tells her from the beginning, I don't really trust you. I think you're full of shit. And Josh is like, come on guys, let's just, blah, blah, blah. but then when Heather starts to freak out and Josh is in her face and stop filming and that's your motivation. Blah, blah, like, I Mike feel like the, it shifts. Yeah. Mike is the one who's saying, guys, stop fighting. We have to prepare. We have to do this and that. Yeah. And I feel like Heather and Mike necessarily form this bond together, particularly after Josh goes missing. And so there's like a lot of shifting in like the roles and the, the dynamics between them that like, at first I thought Mike was kind of like an arrogant asshole and I thought Josh was like, cool. And then they kind of switched in my mind. I kind of was over Josh and I thought he was being really mean to Heather and Mike ended up by the end feeling more real to me, like more relatable, I guess, yeah. you know, so. Yeah. He was out of his element, I feel like the most. Yeah. Yeah. And they relied on Heather, like you said, because Heather was the one who had did hiking previously. She knew how to use the map. You know what I mean? So that's why she had the map the whole time. And Well, Mike right. always had uh, always had that deer. Yeah. Mike always had that deer in the headlights look of, mm-hmm. of like, are you sure? Are you sure? You know, Josh that's was that. That's how he looked. Yeah. He was a stoner kind of guy. Just like, hey, man, just let it flow. Like to me, I just thought. You know, I, I wasn't looking at the relationships. I was actually just looking at the whole, you know, the general idea of these are college students. They were trying to film this thing and being lost, you know, obviously suburban kids or maybe city kids that didn't realize of where they were or what they were in mm-hmm. for, because it's set up so beautifully at the beginning because yeah, obviously Josh and Mike knew each other, Josh and Heather knew each other, but Mike and Heather didn't know each other at all so yeah. it was just like meeting for the first time and that, that that dynamic was was wonderful for them so it was just this journey of going to Burkittsville having these interviews you know I kind of love the way they set it up too and you know the way Heather would say hey listen uh is it okay if we film you and they went from color to what whatever it was called the dad or whatever the, yeah. the black and white the black and white was a 16 millimeter and okay the, the color was the dad but that yeah, yeah. Okay, so so I don't know what me, that means. I don't know anything about cameras, but I don't. I I'm not a filmmaker, so I wouldn't even know. But the way the way they set that up was so beautifully done, and so like to me, it was like perfect. It was just like, you know, is setting up a movie that's just you don't know what you're in for. Mm-hmm. You know, you're getting the backstory. You're it, <laughs> what they call the info dump. You know, at the beginning of the movie. And then they go into the woods and then it just kind of builds from there. There's your slow burn. And I just thought that the one thing I had a problem with is they all slept in the same tent. Yeah. (laughs) And nothing happened. You know. Well, we don't, well, we don't know. Maybe they didn't film that. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. true. Well, so yeah, I agree, John. Um, Like starting with the interviews and it gradually, you know, plods towards where things really hit the, where the shit hit the fan. Um, but I don't know about you guys, but I really enjoy things that feel realistic. And that yeah. is what gets under my skin the most. Mm-hmm. When things turn into like a big supernatural, like action showdown type thing, that, that loses me. It might be entertaining, but it doesn't 
frighten me. It doesn't get under my skin. It doesn't give me that what's behind me kind of feeling. It's, it's the things that feel like they could really happen that really get to me. So finding like random fucking piles of rocks outside your tent that weren't there before or hearing bizarre noises in the distance or children laughing where there shouldn't be any children. That's Mm -hmm. fucking scary. Finding those stick figure things in the trees. That is exact. And you know, it doesn't have to be every second, but just happening like, you know, one little thing every 10 minutes. That is what really keeps me engaged and builds that feeling of dread. And dread is like what I'm really looking for. Being lost in the woods, I feel like is relatable too. Exactly. It's like, who that's a real scare. It's almost like Jaws. Like after seeing Blair Mm -hmm. Witch, who's not going to go into the woods and think about the Blair Witch? Exactly. And the fear is like, like not even the fact that it's a witch. It's like more like a deliverance sort of thing. Like maybe there's just weird people in the woods fucking with us. Exactly. It doesn't, that's exactly right. It doesn't matter matter if it's a monster or whatever. It's like, just, we don't know who it is or what it is. Yeah. Mike says something like that when I think Heather's talking to him and she's like, well, he's like, well, there's fucking people out here fucking with us. I don't want to play with that. And she's like, well, how do we know it's people? And he's like, I don't know. I don't want to fuck with that either. (laughs) Either way, it's really scary. And so to me, this really hits because of that. Now, I know some people like it's the supernatural stuff that hits for them and they don't care about like, you know, realistic stuff like home invasion and that kind of stuff. But Mm -hmm. If it feels real to me, that's what's going to make me feel like what's in the backseat of my car, you know? Whatever plays at your fears. I mean, that's why we watch these movies, right? That's yeah. why I and thought that's the ones that hit the Different most. people like different things, yeah. Well, well I, and again, I, I understand why people don't like this movie, whatever it is. But I thought that added the element of not seeing anything. So, you know, maybe we'll cover paranormal activity at some point. But you saw a little more. You know, the budget was still shoestring. And by the way, Paranormal Activity was filmed uh, probably two miles from where I'm at right now in San Diego. Oh, wow. Damn, John, you're like, you're right around all these things all the time. I am, absolutely. Dude, I'm in in the hub. Um, No, but I I thought that the thing that was most effective about this was, you know, the directors or, or the people that they had as you know, PAs or whatever, you know, shaking these tents while, while these three people, these three actors were sitting in there was so effective and so much like, like, like it it was like just that quintessential horror movie that you would see back in the fifties. You didn't have to see the gore. You didn't have to see the scares. You didn't have to see the entity, but you felt it. So, so this movie took a throwback from from all these classic horror movies of, mm-hmm. of being able to, you know, use your imagination of what's going on. Again, I'm not going to criticize anybody for saying, you know, I didn't like this movie. Fine. Yeah. Well, I, well, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. I, send the emails to Jacqueline at A Cut Above Horror Movie. She'll kick you square in the butt. I think you're right, too, because like... Uh... The way this movie was filmed is like the majority of the filming is all done by the actors. And a lot of it is they don't know, actually. They were told to go to this marker and do this and set up camp. And like they didn't know that half the stuff was going to happen. They didn't know there were going to be stick figures in the trees and people were going to fuck with their tents. So a right. lot of the acting is not acting. They're actually scared. They know they're filming a movie, but at the same time, like I believe Donna, I mean, um, Heather, like told her family, like, I'm going to do this movie, maybe. In the woods, <laughs> and I don't know. It could be I could be killed. Like, 
the, the actors themselves were sort of like nervous whether this was a legit film that they were filming. Yeah, well, and I think that's so brilliant on the part of the filmmakers. Absolutely. And John, I could not agree with you more. Like I hurt my neck from nodding so hard. Um, <laughs> but it's like, it's, it's, it's not what you see, it's what the movie makes you feel and allowing your imagination to do the work there. And so I just mm -hmm. couldn't agree with you more. Exactly and it works right. for this film's like budget too. Like whether they did that on purpose because they didn't have the money or just that was part of their creative process, like it works. Yeah, and, and you want to talk about like realism, you know, and, and I know it's been parodied in scary movie or whatever it was, you know, the snot bubbles Very and good. stuff like that, where, where where she puts a camera in her face, you know, and obviously she doesn't have a phone, she has this little the little tiny handheld cam and she's trying to like bear her soul i'm sorry to mike i'm sorry to my parents i thought i was doing something right here but the thing that it was realistic because it's cold it's winter time it's late winter and it's just really mm -hmm. cold in the woods and all the leaves had fallen and you know obviously when you're outside of a tent and you're trying to bear your soul your nose is gonna run you know i lived makeup yeah. I lived in Wisconsin for four years. So when you're in late winter and you go outside, your nose is going to run no matter what. You just step outside for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, your nose is going to run. She's burying her soul. Okay, funny, whatever. You can make fun of it. But it was real. <laughs> it, it felt authentic. Yeah, totally. I totally have a question. Mm -hmm. Now, what do you guys think? It seems to me almost like the crazy stuff starts when they knock over that one like formation do you think had they not done that had that like was that what kind of targeted them with the witch they messed with something when no they were i out think there? i think that they were trying to dig into something that was probably they shouldn't have been there anyways yeah, well, and, and, and i guess it's up for interpretation they seemed to me. like they were using the map almost properly they were getting sort of in the right direction and then that's when like after that that's when the weird stuff started happening they started looping around but so they were, I wasn't sure if that's what they were freaked out by, by the grave. I think it, yeah. I think it could be, I think either, either way could be possible. Yeah. Uh, I think it, you could make an argument that the same shit would have happened to them, even if they hadn't knocked over that little um, marker yeah. site and, and, or maybe it would have gone the other way. I, I don't, I don't know. I think you can make an yeah. argument either way. Um. That, yeah, they, they had had a couple of moments where they thought they were lost before, but they did hit, they did hit their location. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, because then they travel uh, south for like a whole day and they end up right back where they started that day. So it was weird. So to you guys, yeah. what is the creepiest moment of the movie? For me? Um, yeah. Just personally, what, what do you think is the creepiest moment? One of the creep oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. Hydroberg, go ahead. Uh, one of the moments I thought that was pretty creepy was when that when Josh goes missing um, and you hear him out there almost pleading for help or whatever it is, and you don't know if it's him. And then when it, I think it's the next morning, there's like those twigs like bunched up with some fabric, which is his shirt, right? Yeah. And then like what's in it? Like some teeth in his tongue or something? Teeth and a finger. I thought it was multiple fingers like and a tooth. That's it. Tell. It looked like a red thing, sort of really bloody and yeah. fleshy. I couldn't tell if it was I fingers. Like, I thought it was his tongue. I think it's like, well, maybe. Uh, I thought it was, I always thought it was fingers, but it's it's not yeah. it's not easy to see. It's, no, it's, it's a little not. unclear. And I think that's the only gore we get in the whole movie. Yeah. And, it, and even that is like 
just a touch and mm -hmm. not totally clear. But whatever it is, it's gross. Yeah. Yeah, that's fucked up. John, what about yours? Oh, you want me to go first? Okay, uh, or second. Um, it's got to be. It's got to be the very end. You know where uh, Mike is up against the wall, and you hear Heather screaming in the background because, like, like if she would have done more movies or more horror movies, she could have been the ultimate scream queen because that scream was terrifying. Like she was so terrified. But the thing that brings it back is that you hear this story of you know this guy that would abduct children and put one against the wall while he killed the other one. So, you know, if you were paying attention to that in the movie, that's exactly what happened. And then you see, see their her... handprints on the walls in the house, too. Oh, absolutely. As she's running down and you just you see all these like bloody handprints. And it's just, you know, it was so unbelievably like 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 terrifying of her scream. I, I think that was the big thing for me. And then all of a sudden yeah. you see him, you know, looking at the wall and then you see the camera drop, you know, yep. and then cut to black. And then you have this. Chilling. And then, yeah, the music that kicks in is really good, like you said, or the, the sound effect. Very, very, yeah. very, very, very ominous. Yep. Very ominous. Yeah, I, I think the creepiest moment for me, like if I'm putting myself in the position of the characters, is the moment when they realize that they have already crossed the stream on that log mm. before. Because to me, that, that feels like my whole orientation with reality is gone at that point. Like we have been walking in a, in what we thought was a straight line for 15 hours and somehow yeah. the universe has flipped around or something and we are back in the same spot. And that's like, it's such a hopeless moment. That's when Heather like, gives up. Yeah, she like she breaks. I think she breaks yeah. then. Um, yeah. and, and I feel like that would be definitely the breaking point for me. That it's like, just, it's like too much to take. Mm -hmm. Too much to take. That's when you realize they realize that like everything's out of our control. They're fucked. We have no control yeah. over the situation anymore. Yeah. It's no longer reasonable to think that we're going to find the car. John, on your point, that ending, I think the ending's great. I think that's also one of the things that makes some people not like this film is that there's no closure for them. They don't see a witch. They don't see a killer. They don't see a monster. You just see the Kai in the, standing against the wall and then she falls and it cuts to black. To, to us, that's very effective. Like, that's a perfect ending for this movie. But for some people, I think it left them wanting more. Yeah. It, I, this movie. You don't again, get I, I, I can understand why people want absolute closure on the movie. But, yeah. you know, I think as, how as life works. most horror movie fans is that, you know, you leave the ambiguity there. Like, you, you have no idea of how it and well and you assume you know again this is this was the psychological part of the movie is that your your, your mind is left to think what happened you mm -hmm. know you, you're 100 percent sure that heather died you know because the camera's like laying on its side you hear yeah. nothing from her and you still see mike's legs so your assumption is is that mike's dead next so <laughs> i mean that you know leaving an ambiguous ending is is so brilliant in any movie. I mean, an action movie or, or a drama or whatever. Yeah. Uh, um, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to change the subject completely. So you go ahead. My question, uh, well, mine might also. Um, the one thing I find a little confusing with the film is um, the lore. And I guess the documentary probably touches more on it. There's a lot of threads that they, they pull on in this movie. So there's the witch, right? There's the killer who kills the kids. 
There's the bodies that were on Coffin Rock. Like, these are all things that have happened in this town, I guess. And they're all based around the witch. Yes. Like, I have an answer for that. I have a definitive okay. answer for that. And that the, the whole, I'm so glad that you brought this up because this is like really my only one complaint about the movie yeah. um, is that I agree with you. When you watch the movie, there are these different threads and they don't really seem to be connected. And you're like, mm -hmm. what? Okay, so this guy kills the kids, then what's the witch? Is he a witch? Yeah. What's going on? So on my, I watched this on my DVD from, that I bought in like 2003 or something. And so on that DVD special features, there's the documentary that you're talking about, Hyderberg, The Curse of the Blair Witch. Mm -hmm. But then there's also like a slideshow and it presents like the lore of the movie as though oh, it's awesome. real. And so I, I wish that... I wish that some of this info had made it into the movie because it would have really connected all the dots. So what I know from that is that, okay, the actual woman who was originally accused of witchcraft, it was like the 1700s. Um, yep. I think her name was Ellie Kedward. Mm -hmm. And she was accused of witchcraft because these kids went to her house and then they came back saying that she tried to take their blood or something. Yeah. And so the, the, the townspeople like banished her in the middle of winter and she it was presumed that she was dead. They tied her to the a next, tree or something like that. Right. And then and then they were like, get out and you know, you're banished from the town. So they thought she died from exposure. But then the next year, more children, like half the town's children and all of her accusers went missing. And so the town, like all of the remaining citizens of the town decided to leave. They were mm -hmm. like, this town is cursed we're leaving and yeah, just for like 40 gonna, years or something like that. Yeah. We're, we're going to cut our losses and just leave. So the town was like deserted. And then in the next century, it was like re established by somebody else. And it was, the name was changed from Blair to Burkittsville. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then the next kind of step in the story is that in 1940, this dude, Mr. Parr, who lived up on the Hill, he like a bunch of children went missing and, um, he came down and one guy in an interview in the movie actually did say this, that he came down to the store and said, I'm finally finished. And nobody knew what that meant. The police investigated, they found the bodies of the kids. So what the slideshow says is that when they interrogated him, he said that there was a witch ghost who mm. appeared to him and told him to do it. And that was okay. presumably the ghost of Kelly Edward, or Ellie gotcha. Edward, not Kelly Edward, Ellie Edward. And so that's, I guess, the tie to him and the, um, the, the witch. And when the children were still missing, they sent out search parties for them. And the men who died at Coffin Rock were one of the search parties oh. that got lost and they didn't return. And so other people went to search for the search party and they found mm. the bodies tied together and then they went back to go okay. get someone. And when they came back, it was gone. So that's, I think, kind of the, the through line there yeah uh, no, that makes and more i sense. wish that more of that had been in there like it wouldn't have been so hard to just add in a line where mr parr says oh the ghost woman told me to do it well, yeah because like we see our our main characters they're killed like the way that guy killed the children yeah right yeah and then we see the, the 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 stone figures and the uh the wicker you know statues or i mean uh, dolls or whatever they are so that's like the witch so it's like it, it does get a little convoluted in a sense, but well, that makes more well, sense. 
And, and, and Jacqueline, I, I think you explained it perfectly, you know, because I did see that, you know, back on my special features of my DVD that I bought for the Blair Rich Project. Sweet. Here's the thing is that that's the assumption because you piece it together with your head. I think this is what this movie did so brilliantly because you had the documentary part of it. You know, Heather talks about so many children died. Why did they die? Let's go into Burkittsville and find out, you know, you know, doing this documentary type and you piece it all together. So your explanation was perfect. But, but mm. like the first time I watched it, I, I gathered that, you know, you know, this guy was possessed by this by this witch. You know, why are why are dudes chained up to this rock just in a line and then all of a sudden disappear? It's the witch. You know, it's called the Blair Witch Project. So it's just like. You know, going from Blair to Burkittsville, you know, it, it just made sense to me, I guess. Well, you're probably smarter than I am. So <laughs> oh, gosh, come on. It, I did not I'm connect the dots. I did not connect the dots until I until I until I saw that um, special feature years ago. But um, but that I think is is a useful, a useful thing for dummies like me who didn't get it. <laughs> I highly recommend seeing that documentary, though, because that was the marketing Absolutely. campaign. Yeah. So can we talk about the marketing for a minute? Um, yes. Because I feel like that's a huge aspect of this movie. Mm. Um, so, you know, I only had kind of vague piecemeal memories of, from seeing that stuff myself back at that time, because it was over 20 years ago. But when I was doing research before this cast, I, I read about how they started marketing this movie like a year before it, it was released. And they made a website. So this would have been 1998. Yeah. They made a website for it. They made all this stuff. They literally said that this was a true story that yeah. happened. They put up posters um, in public places that said missing and had pictures of the, the actors and their names and everything. Um, and they instructed the three actors not to make any public appearances in the time yeah. leading up to the release of the film. And in retrospect, at the time, I guess, like, I, you know, however aware of that I was, I thought it was like intriguing. In retrospect, I wonder if it's really ethical. No, like I, to, I, like I to make they didn't money. Enjoy that at all? To like make people to get people to spend money to see a film about a story that they are told is true and it's about the death of these real people, like yeah. that really sits wrong with me now uh you know Jacqueline I honestly think that's the way it's always been um you know back in the day 80s 90s you had the National Enquirer bat boy you know again you're publishing something or you're putting something out there in the ether of this is not real but we want to sell magazines we want people mm -hmm. to go watch our movie we want you know, for nowadays, <laughs> sorry, not to get political, fake news, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. We know it's real. We know it's fake. We're not, we're not stupid human beings. We know what's real, what's fake. So you put something out on the internet. It's like putting something out on a magazine. So it's like, you know, Bat Boy marries Marilyn Monroe, who, by the way, is still alive. And you can put that on a magazine and, and then put it in a grocery store. And by the way, when in 1998, there was not a huge internet no. following. You know, we are, we're doing our podcast via the internet right now. So um, 
No, I, I don't think that's deceitful. I think it's just brilliant. I think it's if if you want to believe it, believe it. If you don't want to believe it, if you if you were completely snowballed by this and you just went, oh, oh my God, I cannot believe that's right. Okay, you know I get that. I understand why you would be completely not offended, but just like just flabbergasted of you're telling me this. You're just trying to sell tickets. Yes, but that's marketing. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's it's marketing 101. I think word of mouth was big on this, too, from people that had seen the documentary or maybe had browsed the website and heard about this. Like they say in the beginning of the movie, it happened in 94, right? So, you know, you'd have a case in 94 that went unsolved. And then, you know, you start people start talking about it in 98 and the ramp up to this film. There's a documentary made in those years in between. Yeah. It seems yeah. believable. I remember people talking about like, thinking it was real like has society gotten to the point where we're gonna make a movie about people's real death and show that on a, on in a movie and sell tickets to it you know what i mean and we were wondering like is that where society is right now like and it seemed almost believable at the time that like maybe hollywood was able to do that and sensationalize something or sell something like this to people yeah, that wanted it, to see that i i do think that it, it smacks of exploitation to an extent yeah like if you're, if you, I mean, because nowadays we're we're much more savvy, I think, than in the early days of the internet, because not everything is being debunked on the internet. And I mean, it's one thing if you have uh, something that's totally unbelievable, like Bat Boy, uh, oh, and, but- and Elvis is still alive, versus like a very realistic story that people are telling you is totally real, right? But not supernatural. And I don't disagree with that. I, I really don't because me personally, you know, it, you know, I felt like I was, I'm just being hosed on this. But I mean, you were is, older. You were older than I was at the time that I saw. Yeah, it. You, it, were, you were like an adult. I, I, I was an old man back then. <laughs> no, um, but I mean, you were, you were an adult. I was 16 and more gullible, I think. No, and that's the thing. You know, if you felt that way, I completely understand. But the thing is, you can look back in retrospect and really enjoy this movie. But the thing is, is that it's always been that way. It has always, you know, there's always been a marketing campaign. There's always been some sort of angle to to sell tickets, whatever it might be, you know. And that's true, but that doesn't mean it's not exploitive. That's true. That's very true. But, you know, it's it's, just because it's common doesn't mean it's like not unethical. That's true. And, and, you know, you did not go out when you were a 16 year, 16 year old, you didn't go out to the grocery store and buy a national Enquirer because you wanted to see all the juicy gossip, but how did it stay in business so long? Obviously with the invent of the internet is that you can get all your stuff digitally now, rather than have to go and pick up your people magazine or your national Enquirer, you know, doing something like this to me personally was so creative and inventive it was just like i don't disagree with that i, I agree with that it, it, it didn't bother me that that these people were still alive it, it made me feel it better it made me feel better that these people were still alive and that this was just a false story yeah 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 i mean like nobody actually died like nobody's death is really being exploited there but just to create that uncertainty i think it's like ugh, i think it's it's on the line at, at least but nonetheless i do think that the marketing was innovative. It seized an opportunity that I think we will never have again no. um, because the internet was so young at the time and 
there wasn't everything out there and we people in general were just not as savvy about knowing that ever you know oh that that's fake or whatever like nowadays you have people who like I mean people who like solve crimes by internet sleuthing when police can't solve a crime like I don't know if you guys saw the one about the Cecil Hotel but you have these internet detectives basically just like random people who are like I'm going to see if I can solve this case. And sometimes they do, you like know. Pat Oswald's like, um, uh, yeah. wife or whatever. Yeah, place, right? right, right. It's and called so, it's called podcasts. I mean, seriously, right. like people people are so interested in these things. That's why they Relate create the last these... Halloween movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the podcasters are going to interview Michael Myers and see what oh, makes yeah. him tick. And so, like, I just think that, like, Talk to me. we're Sorry. way too savvy now to fall for stuff like that anymore. And so between the marketing, just the, the preemptive marketing that they did with the documentary, like forget about the website, but the documentary, the word of mouth, using the internet um, in its very early days and, and the creativity of the film, I think it created kind of a lifetime uh, event in film yeah. that just could not happen quite that way again. No, the documentary I, I especially. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I, I didn't watch the whole documentary, was real. but really, but the documentary definitely made me question. I don't know, maybe, maybe this was a real thing, and they they found some footage, they pieced it together to more of as a cautionary thing than uh, to sell a movie, you know, at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that documentary looks so real. It looks like the kind of weird random people that like, oh, this is her professor, and this is. Uh, this one's girlfriend and this is the you know like, the classmate or whatever yeah, and daylight yeah, like, nbc this, this is what's going on it looks like, like that mysteries yeah. and stuff like yeah. that so we were you know we were watching stuff like that during those times definitely yeah that's true i mean you believe what you want to believe and you know for me i agree i think i thought the marketing of this movie was so brilliant like Oh yeah, it was a stroke of brain. You know, this is sure. this is our fa- this is our foundation of found footage. You know, again, it's been tried before and it's been done before, but man, this was done with such brilliance. Often imitated, never duplicated. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Well, do you guys have any other major points you want to talk about, or should we go ahead and get into our ratings? I I'm ready to go, uh, Jacqueline. I think you need to kick us off because you picked this bad boy. I so I I, I think it's clear by this point that I. I really love this movie. This is, I think, one of my top 10 all-time favorites. And I it, it really gets under my skin. Every time I watch it, I, I get that creepy feeling because I'm always, I never lose that ability to put myself in their place and imagine what it must have been like to be those characters. And it always creeps me out. Uh, the, the locations that they had were perfect. I Even before they go into the woods when they're in a little town of Burkittsville, which by the way is a real town, Mm. Uh, it looks like the kind of place where you can watch the leaves change color when Halloween is coming and drink your hot cider and you know everybody and you know start getting that autumn feeling. The woods themselves, nothing makes me feel Halloween-y like dead trees and you know <laughs> uh, a chill in the air and seeing your breath in the air. I mean, it's just the, the atmosphere, the, the locations, just the whole look of it, I think is perfect. I think that the actors could not be more authentic. Like I I don't think anyone could have done a better acting job in portraying the relationships between the characters and the emotional reactions that they have to the things that happen to them. I just think it's stellar and I I can't imagine any actor could could do better. Um, 
it's really fucking scary to me, even to this day. It, it, it really is. Um, let's see, anything else I want to say about that? No. And then I already mentioned my, my little qualms about the slight disconnects between certain aspects of the story and my uneasiness about the marketing, but that, that isn't, that doesn't really have anything to do with the film itself. So I'm going to come down at a 9.5 stick figures in the woods. Whoa. Wow. Definitely not a stick in the mud. Not a stick in the mud. (laughs) Not that's, in the that's my rating, and I'm sticking with it. Hyderberg, <laughs> uh, Hyderberg, what's your rating, man? All right, let's see here. All right, uh, I gave you some pros. Uh, I this movie definitely revolutionized found footage subgenre, like we had mentioned, and it helped um, what it is today. It helped make it what it is today. Like most films, it's it, this sort of set the mold of how to make one. You don't have to do exactly like this film did, but you know you definitely want to have some of the elements that this film did. Uh, it just works, and like it or not, you know that subgenre is here to stay. So um, I like that it was made on the cheap, and that it was such a huge financial success. I mean, that's you know that's not speaking on the film itself, but you know that's still an element of the film, and that's something that it did. It made its mark in movie history. So people that don't even like horror movies know of the Blair Witch and what it did. So. Um, I like that keeping the actors in the dark definitely enhances the performances. And I think that's a genius idea. And like you said, like you said, nobody could act probably better because some of the time they're not acting. They're genuinely scared and they don't know what's going on. And some of the tension I've heard between the actors was real. They were getting a little fed up. They were a little hungry. They were not drinking as much water. They were lost. So that is real. And it translates to the film. Um, I think the acting was really well done. Um, and you believe that they're really lost in the woods and the tension is just genuine, like I said. Um, the use of documentary style filmmaking and the documentary that aired before it, I think was just genius. Um, and it really just drives home the idea that like, you know, this might've actually happened. Like it, it was able to dupe a lot of people into at least entertaining the idea that maybe this was a real thing that happened that I hadn't heard of. And, you know, maybe they made a movie about it. Um, my cons, I feel like I would have liked to get a little bit more time with the characters, maybe before the trip. You get some of it in the hotel room. I just would have liked to know more about them a little bit. Like, I feel like that would have made the, the stakes would have been a little bit more impactful for me. Like, obviously you don't want to see them die, but at the same time, like if I knew more about Mike, maybe it would have helped out me to like his character a little bit more, but maybe that's the idea. Maybe you're not supposed to know a lot about them. Um, some of the film's charm, I think, uh, wears off a little bit for repeat viewings. It's still a really well-made movie, but like, there's nothing like the first time you saw it. And so you can't really get that back. But that said, um, it's a really well-made film and it holds up because of that still. Even though you know what's coming, it's still, you still know like, oh, all right, this is that scene in the, in the stairs. Like they're going downstairs, it's gonna get weird. Um, there are, like I said before, there's just a lot of stories too um, with, the, with the lore where they didn't connect enough for me in a sense where I felt like it's not that, that hard to follow. Like John, you, you know, you figured it out when you first saw it. But like, I think for some people like, wait, is it, was it a guy? Was it a witch? You know, who did what? 
I think that confuses people a little bit and can take you out of the film just a tad. But, you know, it's just a, a small thing. So with that said, I'm going to give Blair Witch, I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10 stick figures. In the woods. It's not, my, it's not one of my top 10s. Okay. But I respect the hell out of it. I'm a little surprised, but okay. But I, I agree with pretty much everything you said. Yeah. Johnny, how do you feel about Blair Witch? Uh, the acting was spot on. Uh, Shushing spring budget. I agree with you guys. I think this is fantastic. What they did with this movie. Uh, the the uh, You know me, and I, I think for the past couple of weeks, is that if I don't like a movie, I will point out its flaws. You know, maybe you know. point out maybe point out one or two things that are okay. Um, there was nothing wrong with this movie to me. The acting, the 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 lore behind it, you know, and yeah, Hydraberg, I, yes, okay, I kind of figured it out just because it's called the Blair Witch Project. So Blair Witch is what's causing all this. So it's just mm-hmm. it like for me, it was just like okay, two and two makes four. Um just to think about that one for a second. I did wait, actually, wait, wait, you know, <laughs> I was like, wait, hold on a second, what am I thinking? Um I thought the character build at the beginning was fine because they didn't know each other. I mean, they're all strangers. Uh, I, Jacqueline, you said they were, Josh was kind of the glue between Mike and Heather. Fine with that. You know, they're, they're getting drunk in a hotel before they actually go do this. So that's fine. Um, the one thing this movie did other than creating a, a wonderful subgenre of found footage because there are some stinkers out there, but there are some really brilliant ones out there that are so entertaining, i.e. paranormal activity, i.e. VHS, that, that are so great out there. Is this my favorite found footage movie of all time? Absolutely not. Would I put it in my top 15? Yes, I absolutely would. However, this to me, out of Stick Figures in the wood, Woods is a 10 out of 10. This movie is a 10. Yeah. You need to go see this movie. Shaky cam and everything. They didn't have to show you anything to feel viscerally about what these people are going through. What is a horror movie? You feel it. Yeah. I didn't jump scare this movie at all. To me, Paranormal Activity jump scared me more than anything. This movie didn't do that to me, but I felt it. I felt it all the way through from, you know, you want to talk about your quintessential slow burn. This is exactly what happened and it was paced perfectly. So this is a 10 out of 10 stick figures in the woods. Nice. Nice. That pleases me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad. I'm glad it does. You're making me think about upping my score a little bit, but. All right, go ahead, Hydraberg. If you're going to do it, this is your chance. No, I'm going to keep it I, I'm reading this film on how I've watched it now, not when I first saw it. Okay, that's fair. Um, and, you know, Hydraberg, you, you touched on this. I just want to add one thing. You were talking about how, um, how much they were able to do with so little and how it was so creative to just really, like, yeah. tell a good story with whatever tools you've got. I, I think that that's very inspiring to aspiring filmmakers to realize like you don't have to have a lot of fancy equipment you don't have to have fundraised and secured a huge budget of like I mean even like five million dollars is still like a small film like a small independent film um but to but to have next to nothing 
but you've got like a creative story and you make creative use of what you've got. I think that could make anybody feel like all you have to do is come up with a good story. Like, are there some woods behind your house or is there like a creepy shed or something down like at the end of your neighborhood or something like take what you've got and make something with it. I think that's, I think it's very inspiring. You got to watch hosts. I will. I really want to. It's, it's near the top of my list. So for sure. Put it at the top. I'm telling you right now. (laughs) <laughs> all right i will, I will. You know i'll give this i'll give this an eight okay yeah. there we go because right. it, it, makes... you're right it, it did leave its mark it did a lot of things that makes it, me feel know, better for film history in general and you know had i reviewed this when i was 19 i probably would have given it closer to a 10 but and the only reason why i did it still held up for me when i watched it again so i mean again i just I just got a lot of enjoyment out of it. I, I, I yeah. felt, I just felt the same way I did. You know, that sense of dread, that kind of like, that that, that innovativeness, just, the, the, it was flowing. I was just like, oh my God, I, yeah, this was such an inspirational movie of what they did. And I don't want to get too much more into it because I know Jacqueline has some trivia for us. I do oh, have yes, some trivia, is. but I'm happy, Hyderberg, that we badgered you into an eight. <laughs> <laughs> Peer pressure. Oh. Before you mentioned, uh, real quick, you mentioned Heather as being like one of the best um, female leads we've reviewed. What about Zoe from Zombievers? Hello. Oh my God. She was excellent. She she took she took inspiration from Heather from Blair Witch. We had not talked about clearly. All right, on to clearly. I don't mean to derail. All right, I got three quiz questions for you boys. So as in previous episodes, I'm going to ask you the question. Uh, I do think it would be useful for me to give you the multiple choice options this time, as opposed to you having the, you know, coming up with the answers out of thin air. So I'm going to read the question. I'm going to give you three multiple choice options. And if you want to, you know, quote unquote, buzz in, just say your name. And then that's what allows you to, to give your answer. All right. And I'll keep score. Three questions. Number one, the slime on Josh's backpack was actually made of a KY jelly. B, Jello, or C, rubber cement. John. HB. What? What? John. John. I heard you first. Rubber cement. KY Damn. jelly. Hydroberg. Yeah, Hydroberg. I'm saying it. HB because there's too many syllables. I know. John's it's easier funny. to say than Hydroberg. That's the, I, I'll allow it. Uh, but you're right. It was KY jelly. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not always gross. <laughs> well, it's gross if it's on your backpack. That's true. It's cheaper than rubber cement at the store. So they had a shoestring budget. That's true. They had a KY <laughs> jelly budget. <laughs> One point for that should be what we say from now on. You need that. You need a budget for KY, obviously. Apparently. Oh, God. All right. One point for Hydroberg. Is there any Harvey Weinsteins that are producing the movie? Oh, God. Too soon, man. <laughs> Ew. Question number two. The Blair Witch Project held the record for the highest grossing independent film of all time until October of 2002, when it was surpassed by A, Signs, B, Bowling for Columbine, or C, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. John. John, what's up? My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Ding, 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 ding. That's right. It's funny. I was waiting for you to say Napoleon Dynamite. Uh, I was <laughs> oh. thinking that was going to be it. But I was like, that was later. Eat your no. food, Tina. Eat your food, fat cow. 
Fat lard. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> You're the dang quesadilla. Stop. Uncle Rico. <laughs> stop it. Stop. stop no, you're stop. just oh. jealous because I've been online chatting with hot bear. Right <laughs> oh, okay. We got to move on. I'm just going to laugh. All right. So you guys are tied. This is the tiebreaker question. We each have one point. Number three. The crackling sounds in the woods were made by the directors and their assistants around the camp's perimeter. Were these sounds made by breaking sticks, hitting cow bones from the local butcher together, or setting off firecrackers? John. John. It's got to be sticks. <laughs> it sticks. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you got it. All right. So John is the winner for today. Woohoo. Yeah. John, whether you want or not, you're a winner in my book. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. I, I, I feel so much better about myself now. Yeah. There's no <laughs> egos here on the uh, zero. 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 Uh, I do have some more interesting facts. Would you guys let me to just run through some of the most interesting ones real quick, and then we'll wrap it up? Please. Yeah. All right. Uh, the film was in the Guinness Book of World, World Records for top budget box office ratio for a mainstream feature film. The film cost $60,000 to make, and it made back $248 million, which is a ratio of $1 spent for every 10931 made. Oh, my gosh. That's huge. Crazy. Oh, my God. Uh, let's see. Um, it took eight days to shoot the film, but it took eight months to edit it. Mm, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And the budget also ballooned up, I think, to like $750,000 at that point to edit it. But to oh, shoot wow. the movie, it took um, far less. Uh, to promote discord between the actors, the directors deliberately gave them less food each day of shooting. Yep. One of the video cameras used by the actors was bought at Circuit City. Do you remember that store? <laughs> After yeah. filming where service is state-of-the-art. After filming was completed, the producers returned the camera for a refund, making their budget money go even further. Oh, my God. <laughs> yep. Well, here's an extra $300 for you, buddy. Now, imagine someone bought that camera and doesn't realize that they had the camera that was right. that filmed Blair Witch. Talk, That's fucking yeah. crazy. Talk about nostalgia. <laughs> right? Uh, you know the part where they're running out of the tent after, like, something's hitting it, and they run out, and Heather screams, oh, my God, what the fuck was that? What the you fuck don't see it? anything. Yeah, so it was planned that the cam whoever was holding the camera was supposed to pan to the left and they were supposed to see like a witchy looking figure, but mm -hmm. the they forgot to pan over. And so you never see what she's... I, I always look at that scene like, am I missing it? Where is it? I always did too, but IMDb yeah. has solved the mystery. Yeah, I do. I do remember that. If she's looking over to the left and the, the guy still, I think it was Mike that was holding the handicam and he didn't look over. Yeah. He just kept I love a scary hand. movie. When they're like, girl, wait for me, girl. <laughs> uh, the actors were given just a 35-page outline of the mythology behind the plot. There was no, like, official script. And so they just had to, like, improvise each day of shooting. They were told, like, in vague terms, here's what's supposed to happen today. And Heidelberg, you already said this at the beginning. Each day they had, like, a little crate, like a box with, like, some food in it at their yeah. location. And they had some walkie-talkies for emergencies, and they had a GPS device to get them to their next location. But other than that, they just had They're to follow the vague outline of what, what was supposed to happen, and all of the dialogue was totally improvised. Um, it's really genius. 
It really is. Uh, when the, t- the part where they walk south all day and end up at the same spot, it's actually real. That happened to them, and they were genuinely upset that they walked all day for nothing. So... Um, That's funny. Many of the runes seen on the wall in the old house are reversed, which has a special meaning. A reversed rune implies a dark or negative fate for the person who reads them. Wow. I wish we spent more time in that house. I would have liked to see more of that house. Yeah. For real. Um, you, you see it in Blair Witch from 2016. <laughs> oh, do you see? I've never seen that, but I'm going to go back and watch the, the sequel and that because I know that's a sequel to the sequel, right? 2016. It's not a remake. No, it's a sequel to the it original. Plays movie. on stuff from the people that went missing in the second one or something, right? Okay. Or the original? Yeah, original. Okay. Sorry. Um, in the movie, Heather and Mike share somewhat antagonistic attitude toward each other, but in reality, it was Heather and Josh who had a really antagonistic relationship, and they would fight like really, really bad. And almost all of the footage of them fighting had to be cut out. And um, the filmmakers are having a hard time, like, getting shots where they weren't, like, fighting with each other. Like, there wasn't that much to, like, put in there between them. That wasn't real fights. Um, and they didn't want it to look like both men were ganging up on Heather. Right. Yeah. Uh, this, this just bugs me out. At 85%, this has the highest score on Rotten Tomatoes of any film that was nominated for the Razzie Award for Worst Picture. I, I just, I, I just can't imagine giving it, that. even entertaining that idea that this is yeah. uh, somehow the worst movie in 1999. I it's not, I, I admit, it's not, a, it's, it's not a, an Academy Award winning movie, but it's not a Razzie. Good Lord. It no. should be for its filmmaking, though, like the guerrilla style filmmaking. Like the way it was created, that should be recognized. If there's no award for that sort of style of filmmaking, fine, I get that. But yeah. to give it a Razzie, that's weird. I, I, I don't see it, but I mean, it was I, a different time. I often don't understand the, any awards that are given. Um, the last bit of trivia is just a little personal piece, which I sometimes have. Um, the filmmakers themselves, not the actors, but the filmmakers, they are graduates of University of Central Florida, which is located in my hometown of Orlando. So we're proud of our, our Blair Witch filmmakers. They're doing, Shout out they're, to Florida, man. Yeah, exactly. Orlando. And, and that's it for my trivia. Nice. So, Hydroberg, so is it your pick next week? It is. What is your spooky season pick? So I guess uh, with the whole found footage um, genre, we're going to do another one. I'm going to pick Hell House LLC. Sweet. Because it's nice. a it's a Halloween themed movie. I've only seen it about once, and I'm not gonna give my you know my review yet. Oh hell, let's just do it now I, and skip next. I week. think it's a decent movie. <laughs> I, I'm ready to keep going. You guys ready? Let's do it. <laughs> we'll watch it live. Watch it right now together. Yeah, yeah exactly. Cool. No, All I, right, I, so I, I'm excited by the about way, reviewing that one. Real quick, if you want to watch the Curse of the Blair Witch, it's on Tubi. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, oh, is it really? Oh, sweet. Yeah. I watched yeah. about like 25 minutes of it before the cast because I, I was going to try and finish it before. Cool. cool. Well, for next week, let's all watch Hell House LLC. So go find that wherever you stream films and meet up with us next week where we will be covering it as always. And in um, the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at yeah. Cut Above Horror. 
You can find us on Instagram at a cut above dot horror underscore review. And you can find us on Facebook at a cut above colon horror review. That awesome. damn colon. Colon. <laughs> I like my colon. It's clean. <laughs> our colons are our friends. Yes, they my are. colon is clean. <laughs> this colon, this is, colon clean. is I was just going to say that. Oh my God. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> All right. Well, I will see you guys next week. All right. Keep it creepy.